deck split. Steph would be proud of you. Okay. Now, let's go with that one. Do you want to turn it over? Please not be the death card. Oh, I think that's actually worse. Like someone like Mitch Alexander said that that's like the worst card in the thing. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but let's find out. You have to read it. Um, was it, did it come up upside down? Came up upside down. Awesome. Oh, that's important. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's find out. Who, who would like to read it on the podcast? I'm easy, whatever. I'll give it a read. All right, go. The tower when reversed, ongoing chaos, stubbornness, warning, mounting pressure. The power of the upright tower is weakened when it appears reversed. Now is a chance to make changes to avert future disaster. <laughs> this card could indicate a small emergency. Pay attention to the reason for the accident or problem and make changes in order to avert a bigger disaster in the future. This time, the problem is manageable, but underlying factors could result in serious trouble later. The tower might show up reverse when you feel ready to explode. You may just barely manage your stress and responsibilities on a day-to-day -day basis. This card is advising you to fix the situation, seek help, or take a break before things get much worse. Make changes while you have a chance to do so voluntarily. The tower reversed may also be advising you to shake things up deliberately. Status quo is just not working for you anymore. You may have been putting up with something, ignoring bad feelings, or pretending everything is okay. Now it is time to push the situation to the limits. Call someone on their bad behavior or attitude. Or attitude. This, sh this shake-up may cause disharmony in your work or living situation, <clears throat> but the changes that will occur will lead to much more satisfaction in the long term. That's right. Card may also be calling for a huge purge. Take a careful look at your belongings, habits, or thought patterns. Do you need all that stuff? Now's the perfect time to throw away the clutter. Holy shit! Well wow. done, Craig. That was like the longest card ever. Like I think it needed to redeem itself. Like it started <laughs> yeah. off doom and gloom, and then oh, it was going. So but but honestly, you know, <laughs> I liked that Tim was <laughs> was shaking his head a lot. Yeah. Tim. Oh, I liked I liked the second paragraph. That was good. I was like, oh yeah, this relates to things right now. Oh, in what way? Can you nah. can you go into it on the show? Or <laughs> nah, I can't. <laughs> it was a pretty fucking brutal card. So yeah. I think if Maybe you, you could have picked yeah. death. Maybe that would have been better. Maybe. <laughs> I think if you can if you have the belief that some cards bought off a shelf are gonna affect your life, then you'd probably be scared of everything in the deck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that card, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish this was videoed as well. Tim's face <laughs> did not say it's all good. But his mouth did. Alright, welcome to Fuck Your Tarot Lady, episode 41. My guest today is Loser, also known as Tim Maxwell and Craig Selleck. How are both of you guys? Very tired, but good to be here. Going well, thank you. Thanks for having us. So we're going to... My apologies, listeners, if there's a bit of sound stuff. I'm going to be swinging the mic on a little boom arm to either who wants to talk. But I think we'll get a good rhythm <clears> going. I think it's going to be a good show. Maybe we could do a mid midway lean-in and save you. Yeah, that's good. This is how we sing together anyway on stage. Yeah, you so. guys would have shared some microphones together, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. Craig. Yeah. All right. 
So let's just jump straight into this. Let's uh, let's talk about the band Loser. It's it feels like a new band, but then because of COVID, it's not as much of a newer band. But let's go back to the very start. How did you guys get together, and how did all that like form at the kind of primordial soup stage? Yeah, um, I guess it started off as me just uh, starting to write some new songs. I was in a band called Grim Rhythm, and uh, you know, I've always uh, it's always either been like metal or rock music, you know, metal, punk, rock, whatever. I've always like played in either one of those genres, and I was sort of getting over the fact of just playing like just instrumental riffs. And I was just like, oh, I sort of want to go back to the old style that I was doing because I like grew up loving like emo and punk and all that sort of stuff, played in a band called Apart From This. And I sort of just wanted to see how it would go like writing that style of music again. And I remember writing this certain song called Phase Me, which was like our second single. And I uh, I just like hit up Craig out of nowhere and I was just like, hey man, like listen, to by this time we were like, pretty good friends because we like toured together but um at that point i was like hey i got a song and i really want to show you it and then i showed uh chris as well and then from there it's just like let's get together for a jam and it was that easy they loved the song and we went straight to it from there so what time period was this about then when when the band first started jamming this was late 2017 i think so i think we had our first jam um or tim did sent the song through in like december and we had a jam early January 2018. And then by the end of January, we recorded our first EP. It was wow. the fourth jam that we'd had together was the recording. So is that because the, the writing of the songs were already so structured because Tim had done such a great job with them? Is that kind of... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But also, I think, because, um, you know, we'd all toured together in our separate bands and had been friends and song swapping for years um so it felt pretty natural to get in and play anyway and then um yeah it just felt like a click moment when we had our first jam and we're like all right what are you guys doing next week by the time that rolled around tim had another couple of songs so we jammed them and then i had one kicking around and we jammed that the following week and we felt like we had an ep so we just went and recorded it wow yeah, I'm pretty sure we like, yeah, we had like four jams or something, but it just felt really natural. I mean, like I at this time, I like worship those guys because I love Smith Street and Benny's and all that. And now I'm just like, oh, they're just my friends now. <laughs> so it's like, I don't look at them that, that way anymore, but it was so cool to like jam with them like that. You know what I mean? It felt really awesome. And like we got together and it just all happened so quickly. It was just like, yeah, it was awesome. And that's, I guess, speaks to the professionalism that comes from being at bands like that and playing for that long and, and totally. understanding that, you know, that kind of flavor. So it's something that would probably have taken longer if you guys were all like 18, but because you were like older, you're like, we know how to do this. We've got our gear. We, we can get our shit together and get to practice. Like, is that? Absolutely. And I, and, um, I think when like, it's pretty clear when you're younger, you're trying to define who you are and um, what your musical output will reflect of your life and everything. And I think by this point, when we started jamming, it was pretty clear Chris was a drummer and I was a bass player and we weren't going to be trying to fight for the spotlight or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't going to be like a refuse situation where everyone's trying to like yeah, throw in yeah. jazz it, and other things. Exactly. It, so that means, you know, if you're a guitarist, singer-songwriter, you just need a, a bass player and a drummer to, to back you up and we just stepped in and backed him up and it just came together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Natural. For a while there, we were getting called a grunge supergroup. I didn't really like that. <laughs> 
let's let's talk about the genre itself because to me it just sounds like uh, oh, it kind of encompasses a lot of, of everything. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it it feels like it would it fits very well in a nineties high school soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's got a lot of those like Weezery kind of vibes and. I want to say nerdy rock from the 90s. Yeah, is that totally college rock? Yeah. yeah, college rock. So, what defines nerd rock or college rock? Is that actually a genre? Like, I don't know. I think it all comes under the word like slacker. I've always liked oh. that slacker rock sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's always like a bit sad and droney and slow, but it has fuzzy guitars. You know what I mean? Without that, like I Jason just... Lee would listen to it <clears throat> in like a Kevin Smith movie. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or yeah, is it more th- like a link later slatter, like slacker? Like, what are we talking about? I, I think it's it's got a very similar mindset to like um like a fu- what do they call um like flying colors and um, shoegaze shoegaze. It's got that kind of feel, but but if you play slacker rock, you've got no um, guilt about trying to be popular or trying to pop make it poppy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think it's going for the same emotion, but there's just like less restriction on a code of conduct you know yeah. what i mean yeah but at the same time we sort of didn't really know how we wanted to sound it then you know that was just us like sort of getting it together i mean one song sounded a bit shoegazy which was that phase me one and the other one was like a fast-paced like punk one loser the other one sounded like a 90s grunge song so it was sort of like you know showing people what we got straight up just here's an ep or whatever and the song that we didn't really think that much of ended up being the biggest one off it. So, Oh, yeah. right. And what made you think that just based on, like, because every band knows when you're going in, when you're recording stuff, like, this will, this is the good one. I don't okay. know. I just felt safe. And I'm always trying to do too much. And then once I realized that people like that, I'm like, I got to do less. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was definitely that one song that just comes out really fast and you don't mm. overthink it. And so you just move on. Because you're sort of more focused on the bigger puzzle piece. Yeah, the ones then, that need more work or the ones that need to kind of retool before you record. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. Or you feel like you're really putting some complicated thoughts into it and intricate playing. And this one was just like a fast jam that just happened and the lyrics just fell out of us and we're like, cool. So That's who just writes a song. the lyrics? When you say us, is that is that everyone contributing to the lyrics? Back then it was, yeah, heavily me and Craig. Hey, we used to sit there with our thinking sticks and uh, we'd just uh, basically just go through each idea and just be like, yeah, this is what we want to do. All right, this song's going to be about this. All right, what do you reckon this could be? And get out our rhyme dictionaries and our thesauruses and try and make it as cool as possible. Yeah, it, it, was, it was basically me and Craig for the start of the band. We, yeah. Everything that's, was done together. That's really lovely. I don't yeah. think anyone's ever gone into that detail before when it comes to songwriting. Like, do you actually have thesauruses? Did you actually use that? Do you I use- don't use it anymore, but I, yeah, I used to a lot. It was good. There's this thing called Rhyme Zone. It's great. It's when you, when you can't think of a rhyme, you go up there and you're just like, all right, this one has three syllables and this is what it rhymes with, you know, just stuff like that. Wow. So you can try to get a better word out of it rather than saying, I don't know, time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the most overused word <laughs> yeah. in music, do you think? Definitely. Yeah. I always like, oh, when I write lyrics, I'll just have it out there and then I'll say like, it'll have like time. And I was like, fuck, oh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange oh, thing yeah. to be so upset about. You know? Yeah, I don't know. It just is. It's such a common word. In you know what? Songs. But, you know, everyone grows as a, you know, as a songwriter, you know, it's, it's okay to, you know, I'm sure people like great fiction writers would have ended their stories with it was all the dream at some point. You yeah. Know? Like, it's, I don't know. You got you got to go through something, and my life's not that hard. So like, I remember like 
back in the day before I was like anxious or anything like that, I played in this metal band called Into Oblivion. And I remember like, it was just like, like someone had to sing in the band. It's just like, oh, you know, we want to scream. We want to do this. We want to sound like trivium, all that. And we're like, all right, let's write a song. It was like, all right, what's bothering us? It was like, oh, wait, our mum like cooks dinner for us. Like I got a huge house. And, like, what, what do we even sing about? You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to just fake it and sing about murder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like all other fledgling metal bands. <laughs> I can say that I'm guilty of that because I did that when I was also 16, so we can move on. Um, <laughs> instead of people being like, how's Rory throwing shade? No, nah, I did it. Um, and my house was lovely too. too. <laughs> <laughs> so so you get through this EP at a, at a kind of breakneck speed. What's the next thing? What was the next thing? Or I guess like the landmark event that happened kind of post that. Did... Uh, um, writing for our third album, even though it wasn't going to be the third album. <laughs> Give us some insight <laughs> to what you mean by that. Oh, we just we just went turbo. Like uh, I guess uh, we just like produced uh, like straight from then we went on to write at least another like twelve songs. Hey, before we started working on mindless joy stuff, and you know all those songs we've written haven't even made anything yet. So wow. they're just they're just in the bank. So those kind of songs at that time, what makes you go, let's push past this and then re- like write more songs for the for the for the next yeah, release? There was there was no push really. It was just like riding the wave of energy of the excitement about how things had happened and come together. It was all so natural and so easy. We just tried to get out of the way. And I think that was part of that, you know, the lyric writing process too, especially at that point in time. There was no um like overthinking or just deliberating too long on anything. It was just about getting out of the way and like just letting this energy push through. And so if you think about that, the the EP was recorded in January and it came out in November of that year. Hmm. So that whole year we were just writing songs because we were pumped up and we were excited to be in a band. So by the time that EP came out at the end of that year, we already had like another two albums written and... Then we had to, you know, the label's like, all right, you got to play some shows to tour this one. And we're like, well, we want to start recording the next one. And then so by the time the next one got recorded, which was Mindless Joy, which ended up coming out just like two weeks before everything locked down. Yeah, those songs were like 18 months old and we couldn't wait to record them so we could start recording the next one, which is yeah, kind of what's rolling yeah. out now. But all these songs are now 18 months old and we can't wait to get to the next couple after this, we're still in that zone, you know what I mean? But I think having more time, like especially like during that time, I started working full time and that um, Tim kept the writing going. And so now, you know, at that point, there was a lot more collaboration. Uh, but now it's sort of more Tim is coming in with the, the guts of everything, Look, which he still did at the time. But um, And it's more sort of my role is now more of like, helping with like bouncing ideas back. If Tim's like, I'm not sure about this part. Mm. What are you hearing? And I might say, I think I'm hearing something that kind of goes like this. And then Tim will go, oh yeah, I don't like that. But now that you've said that, I've now got a new idea and or something like that. Or I'm stuck on these lyrics. Have you got anything? Yeah. So yeah. I think that there was a point, I remember having the discussion with you, Craig, we were just like, because I remember he kept on like, writing songs and giving me ideas and all that and then we decided just like hey how about like you write the songs like you write everything and then i'll do this and i'll help out with this 
and that's just the way it's gone and like usually say if you get in a band and people think they like they want to help out and do something like oh i need my lyric here i need that we all decided from day dot that it's just like yeah you're gonna write everything and then we'll just talk about it together yeah that's really cool so with this kind of energy that's <clears throat> kept propelling the band what do you think that is compared to other bands that maybe don't have that kind of energy behind them? Because like, it seems like the output and this kind of level of dedication is something that I don't think other bands are doing. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know. This sounds like enthusiastic though, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know if... Uh, I'm sure everyone's doing it, but I think this is the first time I've been in this kind of situation. Like, um, I know B Benny's was super prolific as well. But it definitely required all four of us at the time to do it together, mm. and which was a great, which was a great thing, and and we had some super fun times doing that. Uh, but this is a different beast in that there's no, um, yeah, like if Tim's just always feeling the spark, there's all he's getting is support from the rest of the band, so it just fosters an environment where more music can come to life. Yeah. That's pretty interesting, actually. Instead of it being like, I should wait until the other members are around yeah. to kind of jam this out. It's like you're just powering through. Exactly. And Tim is um, is a great person to be the driving force because he's not precious, and um, but also has a clear idea. So it's good to have someone who's leading the charge in that. If you hear an idea, he's going to listen to it and we'll try it. But if it's not working, we're, we're all happy to have just been heard. And if it's not working, we're all pretty old enough now to realize it probably wasn't going to work. But we just needed to hear it to know. You know what I mean? And yeah, so a lot of that ego is kind of missing from that yeah, songwriting process now. Exactly. And oh definitely. And I think also once you put it through the filter of the band, it ends up sounding like the people that played on it anyway. You know what I mean? Although Tim's coming in with the nucleus of the idea, even if I played the same riff on bass that Tim's played, it sounds like I'm playing it. And then when you put that with Chris's drumming and Will's guitaring and then Tim's guitaring, it sounds like our band. So <laughs> Yeah, everyone sort of brings their flavor to it. Super interesting. All right, so then what happens next, right? So, like we, we mentioned it earlier, that you you released, you know, the, the first debut album, and then lockdown happens two weeks after, right? Yeah. So, was there, like, obviously there's a massive halt in your plans, and you've just got this new album out. Was there plans for a tour? Were you guys like planning on like was anything booked? Did you? Ah, uh, yeah, like, we were. We had a sold out. Uh, old bar show which is still happening <laughs> so it was meant to be in what like March was it last year yeah. or March and now it's in April this year I had it in my calendar on Google Calendar and then it was just like nope that's that's pretty wild because also like um, I think it was like on Feb 13th when we released the album or whatever we played like a live stream the day after and we got like a big mindless joy like banner made up that so it would be and it sits in my shed and i have to walk in and look at that every day and especially all through covid i was just like wow that was a flop wasn't it just like <laughs> i think you need to take the upside down tower and just rip down that mindless joy you know it said yeah. like blow something up or stop holding out or whatever it said it's time to go yeah exactly yeah but i mean it'll come in handy when you get that <laughs> that show back right yeah well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we don't throw it away just yet. That nah. Sounds, that sounds expensive. No, nah, that's um, great. So, so you were going to play that show. That didn't happen. What was like in terms of touring? Had you guys thought about like doing, were you going to play around Australia or like was there talk of overseas? And, or, uh, it was just all too hard to plan at that point, really. Hey, nothing was on the cards. We were just waiting. Just waiting. Yeah. 
Just waiting. Just waiting. Writing. So, so that's, I guess, why you must have been so focused in the songwriting, right? Because you just can't think about anything. Well, yeah, else. if we're not touring, then um, writing, playing, band practice together, whatever, anything to keep it going. I think we're, yeah, that was like, <laughs> the funny thing about this, I still hold it to everybody, it's just like, we did live streams before live streams were cool. Yeah, <laughs> tell <laughs> so us about the live We played our, our whole entire album the day after our release, no, Sorry, we played a show with Violent Soho the night before and we like went hard. We were like partying pretty hard. Had to wake up in the morning and I remember just like, you know, the live streams all set up and I'm just like shaking. I was like, oh God, like I have to play the whole album start to finish. It's just like, I hope people care. You know, people tuned in and all that. And then like a month later, it's just like, hey, live streams are a thing. It's just like, what? We did a bloody awesome one and nobody cared. Like... Could nah, you just not like that nobody cared. It was just like it was funny to put all that effort in before it was a thing. Yeah, exactly. When it was the last resort, like that's all you yeah. could do. You we know, thought but... that was cool and trendy had something yeah. different something to do. Different. Yeah. <laughs> Who came up with that idea? Because like it's funny, it's almost like you foretold what I was... think it was all of us, hey. Yeah, we were just in the car. Yeah. yeah. And that's just like where I think gonna... we had a plan of not releasing it on at all on physical copies. I remember that. We were gonna that's right, yeah, because the album Mindless Joy was all about um, AI taking over and like there's got some themes of that in there, which if we want to talk about Terminator 2, we definitely can. Please, um, thank you. But yeah, it, um, and so we were talking about ways to release it that weren't physical at all and ways to get the music across. And at that point, we, yeah, it was, there was, um, we hadn't got any tours booked or anything. So we were like, what's a way we can feel like we're playing live without playing live but at that point everyone could still go see live bands so it wasn't that <laughs> that revolutionary <laughs> but it felt like oh imagine if like a band you like is releasing their album and you get to watch them play the whole thing on the day it comes out while you're at work or whatever just you know chuck it on your phone or something yeah so we just thought it might be cool to do and um yeah and then yeah and then that was the last gig we played until about two weeks ago <laughs> another cool thing was that um it was that live stream was recorded in the room where we recorded the album as well. So it sounded very similar. And so it was a really good vibe. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> and, and, and one of your guests, Tori Styles, filmed it as well. Ooh, yeah. I was just about to say, who was, who was involved with the live stream? And I was like Dan Hawes, who's our sound guy, um, Tori. And then there was Squid as well. And Sam. And Sam, engineering, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And Jay Carfard, no. You didn't make it in uh, there. you go. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so, after all this time of being locked away and writing all these all these new songs that you got to record and have <clears throat> ready for 18 months from now, um, tell us about what it was like to to come back on the stage and play with She Heart. Yeah, that it was, was... That was your first gig back, right? Yeah, well, yeah, as as Loser was the first gig back and it was wild. It felt, it felt really weird, but also awesome. Um, it was like one night... I describe it as being like an open mic night in front of dads. <laughs> and then the second one was like, it felt like we were back to normality and it felt awesome. And both shows were awesome in their own regard, but it just felt so weird as a rock band and how like, you know, you could tell a lot of bands don't want to play because they're like used to like people getting sweaty in a pit and doing that. You know, you see all these like picket fences and all this stuff, which is great. You know, the tenants should do that. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it just it just felt so weird the first show, and then the second one came, and it was just insane. It felt yeah. so good. It felt like yeah, it was time time to do it again. 
Great. But then also there was that like thought in the back of the head. It's just like, oh, will this stop next week or yeah. what was happening? And it did, didn't it? There was a, another lockdown. So, mm-hmm. snap. It's, it was the first time <laughs> I ever bought uh, ticket insurance on a ticket today when I did it. Because I was like, because it, it said including COVID-19. I'm like, yeah, I'm not blowing like hundreds of dollars on like a gig that may not happen. Like, So it's interesting that this world we live in now where it's like gigs, asterisks, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> So tell us about, uh, I guess, what the future plans are for Loser now that, you know, you guys can play shows again. Is there, like, you know, there must have been thoughts of oh, yeah. where, you, where you wanted to play, what um, you wanted to do. So many thoughts. But in, <laughs> in reality, um, we're just at the point where we're just um, so happy to play. We're just saying yes to anything that comes along. You <laughs> so, know what I mean? So book us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Send us an email at... Um, Fuck you, tarotlady.com forward slash loser slash gigs slash please. But yeah, we're, I mean, we'll just, the plan is to keep recording. Uh, we've, um, and hopefully have a new album out later this year. And then um, just literally play anything that we can. Amazing. So tell us about the new recording process because the new single, All I Need, is upcoming. So this isn't a previous one. This is all these new songs that you've. Just yeah, so many fucking songs, guys. Yeah, so, so with this new one, tell us about this new one. All right, so this album we started recording in May last year, so a couple of months into lockdown. Really? Shit. Oh no, what was it? June. When you remember when there was a break in between the lockdowns? Oh, I remember well. Yeah, so in that break, we got four songs, no, three songs recorded, just drums, and then things got locked down, and then in. In, we were recording at each other's houses. It's like I'd do the bass at home, send it to Tim, and then he'd put it into the song, and we were just doing that. And then after the eight-week closure or whatever, late last year we tracked another five, which are now being mixed. And then this coming weekend we're doing the last four. Wow. So then the whole album would have been done over three separate sessions over basically a year period. <laughs> and then um, in the meantime writing new songs as well for a – for forthcoming releases and playing lots of video games and stuff. But yeah, the recording, all the drums were done at a separate studio and then Tim and I have been doing the producing and everything for the guitars and vocals and keys and everything at Restless Noise Studios. So tell us a little bit about Restless Noise, Tim. Like, uh, how did all this come about and how good is it to be able to record stuff in your own studio? Yeah, it's great. I wish there was like, a co- I mean, it is a pretty cool story, but also makes me just feel like a white privileged male at the same time. <laughs> it's just like, um, I was living out of home for about four and a half years and I remember my mum's just like, hey, we're moving into our old house. Like, I've bought this house that we used to live in 17 years ago and there's a shed out the back. It's like six metres by six metres. And basically what we want to do is turn half of that shed into a studio and you know yeah i remember walking walking there and looking at the house and i looked at the shed i was like yeah right so you think this is going to be a studio i'm just like well fuck we've got a lot of work to do hey so i called up my uh carpenter mate from tazzy and then got a another mate and uh we got on it and uh it was built over like uh one and a half weeks or something like that it all happened pretty quickly and yeah it just uh uh, that happened probably about like eight to ten months ago now. I don't know. I can't really remember <laughs> that far back. <laughs> it's all the weird giant blur, you know. Yeah. So basically, my mummy and my daddy bought me a studio. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to make it a studio because they you you built the the room 
pretty much. And it's just like, well, you need to put things in that room. It's yeah. going to sound like shit otherwise. And you need gear to make it work. So I basically accumulated gear for like at least six or seven years now and starting to take it a lot more seriously now. So pretty much like announced that like as business a few weeks ago now. So it's, I'm feeling really good about it. So people can come over to mommy and daddy's house and record. Something. They can. They get. They get fed well. <laughs> that, very well. That should be built budget into prices the deal for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, they, they don't expect that, and then they're just like, <laughs> I remember I had like a band over the other day, and they were just like, oh, this is an Uber Eats. This is the best meal I've had in ages. It's just like, yeah, this is every night for me. <laughs> It should be called White Privilege Studios. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We can call that. It's not offending yeah, anyone, no, is no, it? No, it's not offending anyone. You know, actually, I mean, it's Apart fine. from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah. So it's going well. So who was the band that you recorded in there? Oh, that was Garlic Nun. Oh, yeah, amazing. I'm currently working on an album for them at the moment. So, yeah, um, I've basically been, uh, I guess, like honing my skills till I thought I was good enough to announce it as a business and be able to work with strangers. Yeah, but right. It, yeah. What's the, what's the point where you're like, I'm finally ready to do that? Like, was there a moment? I mean, I've, I've announced it and I still don't feel ready. You know, it's, a <laughs> sort of, it's sort of like that imposter syndrome. I mean, I was talking about it's like a good engineer friend of mine and i was just like how often do you feel this like you've been through all these studios and you know you're professional you got all this gear i'm like how often do you actually feel like you're not good enough he's like every single session and you know i thought it was just like an anxiety thing i was like oh no like i I feel crap again while i'm in my own head it's just like nah this doesn't leave and you know you are good right now and you can get better, but once you're better in 10 years, doesn't mean you're still going to be satisfied with yourself. And that's the reason why I reckon so many people give up. Yeah. So it's a real tough thing. <laughs> I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast before, but there's a really good metaphor. It's like, I think it was like a, a Spider-Man artist, John Romita Sr., I think, or Junior, one of those guys. And he was talking about, you're never done with a drawing of Spider-Man. Like you never finish it and go, oh, that's it. I'll just walk away. It's like, you always could be improving something. And it's like those artists never... They had to just give up because it was time to like print the fucking comic book or whatever. Yeah, you know? I, I, um, I've heard that kind of um, thought process so much. And every time I'm thinking about my own creativity, I feel like I feel like an imposter because I'm really I can find a really clear line when stuff's done. I'm real happy to move on. Like I just like, all right, that's done. You know what I mean? And so I hear people like it's never really done. I think, fuck, I wish I could go wish my pool was a bit deeper you know oh, what i mean that like yeah. ma- maybe it's not done but i just can't see it being done or, or something you know what i mean but maybe like you're just a realist that you just want to like yeah get, i don't mind all this perfectionist out there just keep you know endlessly tweaking things you know yeah. maybe maybe it's it's either short-sightedness or sturdy sturdiness i don't know <laughs> but yeah I, I really don't struggle with being like that's done let's move on but um, I wish I did. I feel like the struggle could be more real, maybe. But it's lucky that you don't have the studio then, and that's Tim's problem. Yeah. <laughs> <Not yours>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? Do you, how how long? So say for for <clears> the <throat> for the album, how long did you spend like working that stuff in your own studio, recording your own stuff? That must have been kind of stressful, right? Like. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I think we've demoed like each track at least like six times, hey. And there's been like tempo changes, lyrical changes, just whatever. I guess it's um, 
for my own stuff, it's it's a bit different. It's like when I work on other people's music and they're like my tr- their trust, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I was like, what, you trust me with this? You know what I mean? I'm scared. Now I have to make it the best possible product, but I always like shoot too high. You know what I mean? Like I'm recording in a shed and I want to make it sound like a million dollar LA studio, but then my brain's like, nah, you can't make it sound like that. But then like, it doesn't matter. Like someone could tell me it's awesome, but I still won't think it is. But I sort of don't really feel that way with the loser music. Like it's already really thought out. And because we have so much time, it's demoed over like a year and a half. You know what I mean? And there's so many chances. Because like maybe bands might record the song and be like, fuck, I wish we changed that before we did it. But because you had all yeah. this extra time to refine. I think it was like demoing it that many times and then going through pre-production was like the savior. Like, you know, that, that made it really just like having, like knowing everything before you actually record it for the first time properly. Yeah. Pretty interesting. I think so many people would probably go into the studio kind of half cocked, right? And not have <clears throat> the, the songs ready to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is something you'll have to deal with at, uh, at, at the studio now, right? Having to like use these skills and kind of, you know. Yeah. We offer pre production services, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> budget rates. <laughs> So we've talked about a kind of timeline of the band itself and the output, but let's talk about the the members of the band because it's kind of it's shifted a little bit, like like sands in the hourglass. So it, let's talk about how that all happened. Yeah, well, I think because everything was happening so fast at the start, we were just rolling with the vibe, and then uh, you know we recorded the first EP and it was all put out there and everything, and we started really jamming to play the songs live, and and we'd written a bunch of new material. And it became pretty clear that we needed more guitars to make it, to get the ideas across. Like a lot of the songs um, have like guitar melodies that follow the vocals and things. And as a three piece, we felt a little bit restricted. So uh, we ended up recruiting Tim's brother, Will, who's also known as Dragon. And why is he known as Dragon? Because uh, he has fiery red hair. And he has a tattoo on his arm, a birthmark on his arm that looks like two dragons fighting. And uh, yeah, and so then he and then Tim also didn't like the name Dragon that his brother was given, which you know that makes things stick more. And so he just and he loved being called Dragon, so it was just like done. He's you got know, it on his headstock. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's got it. Yeah, on his guitar, and also Cutter Jake, who um, has played drums for a long time, and then he became a guitarist in the band. And so that was uh, a band. We were that that lineup for. For two years, two and a half years. And then recently, Chris Cowburn left the band as the drummer. Um, Luckily, you had one spare, huh? Yeah, yeah. So we took a guitarist and he's now a drummer and he's he's an absolute weapon, as was Chris. Um, you know, there was some... Um, it was just like he's a busy guy. With, he's a father and everything and he just couldn't commit to all the band anymore. So Chris stepped away, but it was... He's still very much a part of the and band it, in a way. Even it was he's not very playing. cute him posting on Instagram, plugging up, upping the band, yeah, saying like, "I can nice. do this now because I'm not in the band anymore." I yeah. thought that was really cute. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. It was um, it's been it was nice to be involved with a band split that was super chill like that. You know, um, I mean, I guess it was like when I when I left Benny's as well. It was very much like that. When you've been friends for so long before a band and you're going to be friends after, you sort of get a lot of perspective. I think again, it's like when you're not 18 anymore, that kind of stuff just not, it's not much of an issue. Yeah. So yeah, it's been great to have Cutter on drums now, and um, now oh, we're a four piece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 had 
one rehearsal and then he's recording four tracks for the album this weekend. <laughs> Go cutter. <laughs> yep, that's how we work. That's amazing. Um, and uh, I guess before before Chris's uh, exit from the band, uh, he was doing the design work as well, right? Talk a little bit about the design. Yeah, of the band, he was very unique. Yeah, he was actually meant to do uh, an art exhibition for our show as well. It was going to be paired with that because you know how the old bar has yeah. the top room. We were going to have like, he actually made like, oh, they're on our Instagram and uh, he made like art for each single as well. Oh, they weren't singles, but there was single artwork for each song on the record. Yeah, yeah, I know what you and, mean. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, his art is awesome. And I'm, like he started off doing all like the Smith Street stuff. And I think like, you know how I, b- before I said, I'm like, all right, I want to write the songs, I want to do the lyrics. His purpose is like, I want to do the art. I think I can do this. And we all agreed on that. Lucky we went like, hey, dude, that fucking sucks. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be awkward, <laughs> wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> So what was the what was the brief? Or like, did he just kind of feel that from the music? Or did you have, like, did you guys kind of talk about it? Or? Oh, we had, we had like a few ideas running, but it sort of just ended up being like, uh, the last idea we had is like, we got all the... B- all the band members to take photos of their eyes and nose and lips up close and then form some sort of weird like AI face. Oh, thing. so those that that the face stuff is actually your facial I features. It's, yeah, it's my lips, my eyes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And one cool thing Chris has been working on, which he was doing for the um show that didn't happen, was he's using because the the theme of the album was heavily tied into AI. Oh, I think, and, we, I think um, it's time to get into that part of the conversation now. Oh, yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> and um, he, he, he actually was using an AI, an AI bot to co-design with him for the art oh. show. And so he like program, he'd taken his own artwork and arranged it and then given it to an algorithm. And then he was giving it certain, you know, restrictions, parameters. parameters yeah. That's the word. And then it was designing artwork for the band as well, like the robot was, which we thought was a cool tie-in. To the theme and everything. He's so, just a great artist. Chris. So tell us about this theme. So like, <clears throat> I, I had no idea there was some themes underlying in this band about kind of AI taking over. Where did that come from? Where did that evolve from? Well, I, t- I think we're both pretty scared of tech. <laughs> I mean, but love it. But love it. Yeah, it's that, I mean, I, that was born in me. I know since I saw Terminator 2, I've always thought that that's how the world will, the humans, sorry, not the whole world, how humans will get ruined. <laughs> Well before a meteor or anything like that or climate change, it's going to be AI shit for sure. Did you did you listen to that Joe Rogan uh, with Elon Musk where he's like, I tried to warn them. I tried to, and he's just, he's, I did. He's, he turns all, and it's just really spooky. Like. Yeah. We were, at, we were actually like, uh, when we sent the label, like the demos or whatever, it had a, like a um, Elon Musk quote from the Joe Rogan <laughs> thing. And they're just like, you can't use that. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. Was the, what was the quote? Was uh, it was him. It was just him talking about, um, yeah, just robots taking over and everything. Yeah, but it was cool. And but I think, um, I think that's how like he and Grimes matched up as well as a couple because of their shared love of AI taking over the world kind of thing. Is that? Uh, yeah. Have you heard about any of this? I E X E A twelve or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'm not too familiar with his relationship with Grimes, but I know that. Um, like clearly they must have some shared thoughts about the future. I just don't want to spread misinformation on this podcast, but I'm almost <laughs> positive it was something to do with them both having a discussion about AIs taking over the world or something. And that's wow. where they bonded. And then now they've got a little weird name, baby. Wow. There you go. Yeah. I, and we, we were t- 
Tim and I were pretty freaked out by his Neuralink stuff. What's the Neuralink? So stuff? that's like a brain chip that um, has tentacles that come off it, and they go in between the brainstem. Um, what are they called? Like pathways in your brain, right? Neural so basically, pathways. neural pathways. So basically, um, it's like an octopus-looking chip. And the tentacles go in between where your nerves are talking to each other and start receiving. And so then once they can decode the language, they can talk back. And so the whole purpose at the start is say, say if you've got a damaged limb or you've got some kind of neurological disease, it can decipher where the problems are happening and then talk back and get limbs moving again that can't move and things like that. And so that's the start of it. But then if you extrapolate that idea, it gets to the point where so your whole discussion going on between your nerve cells is being recorded by a computer. That's tracking all that data. Yeah, and therefore you're uploading your consciousness to a machine and then eventually you could trade out your body. You know what I mean? The whole idea of the singularity and uploading. So that's kind of like the first step where it actually looks like there's a path towards that as opposed to it being a a sci-fi thriller it's like the chip's being developed and then you just continue it on and i I guess maybe you could even then advertise directly to a brain cell brain stem or something yeah you know who knows holy shit it's pretty loose it's crazy yeah so like as much as uh like yeah there's a theme of ai and all that so that's sort of where we got the name mindless joy from so it's like having like you know all these things like even like phones and all that even now just like doing everything for you it's just literally like you're happy with what you're doing it's releasing all these endorphins but you actually don't have to think about anything wow so that's like that mindless joy thing and it's sort of why that it's just like eyes and lips because it's just barely a face anymore and it's just like (laughs) just sort of living there but yeah um it's not like you know you hear about xea12 or whatever in our songs it's more so like how it is living in this age of like you know where people's messages are being left on scene and everything's just like like you remember the days where you used to just like walk over to someone's house and knock on their door it's just like someone's doing that to you constantly on your messages and you're just like ah it's just too much all this like anxiety and even with like relationships and everything it's just like there's no i don't know i just hate where everything was going but all of so at the same time i'm a hypocrite because i love technology and use it all the time so it was sort of a lot about that. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there in lyrics now, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> you can be on that shit for fucking ever. Especially post-pandemic, man. Like, oh, <clears throat> Mel's, Mel, Mel's just noticed how addicted to Instagram I am in the last couple of days. Because I'm just like, man, there's always something there for me. This app is built to keep me here. Like, yeah. I can stay here as long as I fucking want. I'm doing well with that now. I literally only go on there to post and I'm like sick of seeing people's stories by like two, two minutes or something. Mm. Like I've got enough on my plate to not have to worry about that. Oh, That's man. like the thing I do at like three o'clock in the morning when, when I finish all my stuff. <laughs> just have a bit of a peruse. Yeah, and it's like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Bit of mindless joy. Bit of mindless yeah. joy before bed. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't decline anyone, decline them some mindless joy. It's great. You know, yeah. but we just have to think about, I guess, where that shit's going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's like what you were saying about like the lyrical concept before, like the song Upside Down, talking about like politics and all that lightly. And then it was had this like lyrics, like, um, 
ignore everything that brings me down watching as the world turn itself upside down that was written way before covid and it was that that's what felt so weird i mean yeah. so many people be saying that oh my lyrics relate to covid but it just freaked me out even more that the songs especially in this next album are just becoming more and more apparent with everything that's going on nowadays yeah yeah that's crazy to think that i mean we could see the decline coming like if you, if you looked just outside your window but we didn't know that there was going to be just this fucking like yeah. world changing event like just happening straight after yeah it's like time. rather than just like with mindless joy it's like the lyrics are there they're set and this happens whatever now it's like looking in the rearview mirror at an album that hasn't even been released and these things are still happening in my life you know it's weird absolutely mm. wild very wild mic drop <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys feeling? Do you want to? Want to? We can do some lightning round uh, closes, and we can finish this podcast yep. off. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Have we? I feel like we've covered some stuff. Yeah, man. Let's crack some lightning. All right, great. I think what we're gonna have to do is it's also gonna have to be a lightning swipe across because we'll do both answers from both of you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love it. All right, so. <laughs> is this like a game show where we actually have to guess the answer and whoever gets the mic quickest? Uh, no, I'd like to hear the answers from both of you because oh, okay, they're just yeah. random questions. So, all yeah. right. <laughs> Quick fire questions for loser. Tim and Craig, uh, analog or digital? After all this discussion now. Digital. Oh, I'm sorry. You can do everything you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I, wish I would say analog, but I'm going to say digital. Excellent. Yeah. What time did you both wake up today? <clears throat> I woke up at... 10 a.m. and then woke up again at 5.30 to come here. 7.05. Wait, sorry, can we go back to that, Tim? Please explain what's over you. Well, I stayed up to 3 o'clock last night and then I woke up in the morning and then I fell asleep for the whole day after going for a walk and getting a coffee. Just I was just wrecked. It was just like my body clock's absolutely ruined. Just ready to start my day of sleep. I'm starting to become an insomniac, pretty much. <laughs> Next. Yeah, Good album. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing you read. Ooh. Ah, the the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Oh, would you want to tell us a little bit about that, Craig, before we move on? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story about how I got the book. Um, a good friend, James Tidswell, who's uh he's the head of our label that we're on, Domestic Lala, and he is a guitarist in Violent Soho. He told me once that there. If anyone tells you there isn't a handbook to life, they're lying. And he said, there is a handbook to life and I'm going to send it to you. And then one day in the mail, this book arrived from him and it's called The Untethered Soul. And I read it and it completely changed my life. Huge. What do you got to, to follow that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last book I read was called Everything is Fucked. And then I stopped halfway through it because COVID happened. <laughs> He was like, I don't need to get to the end of this. I already know what happens. <laughs> no, I was scared. I was very scared. I, I was enjoying that book before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. That's okay. Well, uh, do you guys have a first memory or something that sticks out from being really little? Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you how old I was. Super, su super young. I put my foot into a gumboot and a huntsman ran <laughs> up my leg. Jesus. And I was super young. I like 
Yeah, if I looked at the gumboot now, it probably looks like a toy or something. But I remember this giant huntsman ran out my leg and I've never put on a shoe or a gumboot without <laughs> checking for a spider since then. Yeah, look, and that's probably good that that happened very early on <clears> in your <throat> life because that's like, we're, we're always told as kids to be like, oh, make sure to bang your shoes if they're outside. Yeah. It's like, who does that? Well, clearly, fuck. Yeah. Terrifying. It was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tim? Do All you that comes to mind is me pulling my brother off the toilet mid-shit and then he, dragon, shat on, yeah, and then he shat on the floor and he tried to stab me. It was a good time. <laughs> At my auntie's house. That's amazing. Do you, do you need to unpack any more of that, or is that? There's more, but you don't need to hear it. <laughs> um, are you guys tea or coffee people? Coffee, but have been drinking a lot of tea lately. Yeah, definitely coffee. Coffee. Uh, last thing you both cooked? Pesto pasta. Um, last thing I cooked, uh, it was fish and chips, and it was frozen fish. It wasn't even cooked properly. <laughs> That is the last thing that I actually cooked, but the proper last thing that I cooked, probably... Ah, oh, damn. What was it? Would have been a penne. Penne. No. Yeah. Just one penne. <laughs> <laughs> I cook, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you guys were reborn, who or what would you like to be? I need time to think on this one. So say that again. If you could be reborn as like anything, like a reincarnation situation, like you get to the pearly gates and they're like, hey, you can go back as onto earth. What do you come back as? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Start at the top. So he's he's already in heaven and then you're like, nah, you're going back. And and I'm going as you. So you don't get to enjoy either world. That's a pretty boss move. That is definitely the top I guess I'll dude. come back as Tim then. <laughs> <laughs> He's not using his yeah. body. I'll just steal Tim. S- free studio. Um, you know, cook one pasta and you get full. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty sweet life. Sleep all day. <laughs> Hang out with Craig. Oh, this so is good, good life. Do you, do you want to bring up the time on tour that you ate two-minute noodles with your hands? <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> there was only one fork left and I selfishly offered it to somebody else. Oh, that's a nice part of the story now. And then so you had to eat noodles with your hands. Yeah, yeah. And I was super drunk. So that's the part, that's the part I leave out. It's just, yeah. just so funny. Was it, do anything. it was more than one noodle at a time. Was though. this pre-COVID? Like, did you, did yeah, you not, could just, you not share the fork? This is a good old days. Oh, yeah, so... We, couldn't you have just waited for the fork and then just got yeah. it back? The thing was, it was so it was after a show in Canberra and, you know, and you've had a few beers and there was, there was like no McDonald's open or anything like that. So we just went to this servo nearby and everyone just got a bunch of shit. <laughs> and um, yeah, for whatever reason, our hotel room or motel or whatever it was only had a couple of forks. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I guess I could have waited, but I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's the, as long as I've cleared up that question for people yeah. to be like, why couldn't Craig just wait for the fork? But it's like yeah. maybe the fork got thrown away afterwards. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's, it's in a post-COVID world. Can't share forks now. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You could have waited for me to finish my one piece of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what inspires you guys? Mike's in front of you, bro. Um, 
uh, shit, I don't know, uh, music and um, other people around me that I look up to. Junk food and music. Specific junk food? Um, uh, the other day we did like a countdown thing. It's like who's got the best chips out of Macca's, Hungry Jack's, KFC and Red Rooster. Ooh, and I what did tell you, you find? That. So we're talking about consistency here, right? Like it's not about like, I mean, as good as a Macca's fry is, that literally is cold half the time. Correct. So it ended up being one, Hungry Jack's. That new wave of chip is insane. And then straight to Red Rooster, the Ooh, underdog. Ooh, underdog. The underdog. Place. Yep. And then you go to KFC and then you go to McDonald's. Just because the two ones that you think are the best are often declining in, you know, or, or dip in quality just based yeah. on, you know. Yeah, it's and hard. then Nando's if you want to consider that fast food. Oh, I'm shaking my head a little bit here. I just, <laughs> I just can't sit idly by and have McDonald's kick down to number four. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> That is bullshit. But when you're it's talking like, consistency, that when they're great, they're great. But you, well, how often do you get great Macca's fries? Well, I had great Macca's fries today. <laughs> so Take that, Tim. Yeah, I reckon, I don't know. It's kind of like without Macca's being so popular, you wouldn't have the others. So you, you can't, It's like saying the Beatles aren't the best band ever. Mm. I mean, you've got to start with McDonald's and then you see who's second best. Yeah, but if, if, we're, <laughs> if, if we're talking about like fast food chains, Macca's is probably up the top there. I'm just rating probably. that chips, man. <laughs> the chips suck constantly. I can agree with the, the, the chips sometimes, you know, uh, especially when you're doing a delivery situation as well. You're never going to get Especially when you're like, hey, I'm going to get a large meal today and you've got large chips and they all suck. That's <laughs> awful. Yeah, but fair, look, fair point. They're not the most consistent ever. I don't work for McDonald's, but <laughs> I will say it's blasphemous. That you just kicked them to fourth with no regard. Oh, yeah, if it's definitely Hungry Jackson, it's definitely this, then it's definitely this, and then McDonald's. That's bullshit. They're top two, and you can figure out the rest later. Also, I would put Nando's higher if this was in the list because I love Or Schnitz as well. Oh, Schnitz. Nando's and Schnitz. Yeah, they're they're in the upper echelon. That's like. He's talking big four. Tell you what's overrated In and Out. It sucks. We've got Melbourne. Like, there's heaps of good burgers here. Take that, America. <laughs> uh, what was the last record you both played? <sighs> last record I spun. Uh, would have been uh, DMA's The Glow. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I listened to Everything is Tenuous by Luca Brasi that just came out. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's a new one, right? Yeah, Are we talking yeah. about spinning wax or just... Oh, it's up to you. It depends. Are you, guys, are you guys spinning wax at home? Yeah, I, I spun uh, Dream Theater The Astonishing That was the last Wax I spun Classic I knew Dream Theater Was going to get a mention In this podcast At some point <laughs> It's always It's part of my life Fourth place Yeah <laughs> 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 well, What last wax Did you spin Tim? Yeah that was it I thought that Oh was the glow Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay So we've cleared, we've cleared that up Yeah <laughs> And Craig's mentioned Dream Theater In this podcast Perfect Yep Good, good. moving on um, <laughs> Who do you love? Loser. <laughs> I love Tim. Perfect. Um, what do you guys value the most? Family for me. Craig's friendship. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> McDonald's being the best chip. <laughs> now, this is fun because usually I ask, uh, are you more of a Batman or a Robin? But we've got two people here. Is there a Batman and a Robin between us or are you both Batman? I feel like I'd be a Robin just because I'm a bit of a shit kicker and Craig's like actually got his shit together. 
Is that what you think the difference between Batman and Robin is? Is Robin hasn't got his shit together? <laughs> yeah, I think. If you did, you'd be Batman. Yeah. Well, there's no Robin signal, is there? So. Ooh. Case closed. But yeah, I'd say we're both Robin. I don't think there's a Batman between us, to be fair. We're just a couple of Robins getting it done. If you sticky tape us together, there's a Batman. <laughs> is, it, is, that the, is that the math now that two Robins make a Batman? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, that's, good. that's amazing. Um, what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of? School of Rock. <laughs> uh, um, a Groundhog Day. Oh, well, I thought you'd love yeah. Terminator, huh? I do. I do. I could. Yeah, we only pick one. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the Patreon questions now. What was the first MA15 Plus movie you ever saw? Do you remember that as a kid when you, you, you're getting this coveted movie that's like a bad boy movie? Do you guys remember what that was? Um, I think it was maybe like some 007 flick and that was the first time I saw a sex scene like with my auntie in the cinemas. It was whack. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first movie, 007 Goldfinger <laughs> or something. Was it just you and your auntie seeing the movie as well? Because that would have been a bit weird. Uh, it was me, my brother and my auntie, yeah. Oh, still weird. Yeah, you know, like your aunties used to, I don't know if I'm... If anyone's aunties did this, but they take you out to the movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my uncle used to take me to the movies all the time. I was sick. But luckily, there was no sex scenes to make that super awkward. Because I don't know what you would do in that situation when you're a kid. I don't know what to do. You it's can't. Still, it's yeah. still awkward. We can't butt. leave. Nah. Did you just leave. Just get up and walk away. Do you remember Craig? What you saw? Yeah. Um. I reckon I've spoke to you about this, but um. It, the first movie I saw, I remember thinking that I shouldn't have seen was The Candyman. And it fucking broke me. It absolutely broke me I into pieces. I think we have talked about this I reckon this we've talked this- about this before. Because you were asking me about horror and I was like, oh, I kind of shied away from horror for a little bit. Yeah. Because that, that movie just fucked me up big time. Yeah. I think I was just too young. And um, yeah, like I was telling you about, like I got OCD, like the light, the light switching, hand washing kind. And um, that movie has like a, you know, I really don't want to go into it, but there's like a ritualistic quality about the supernatural character, the Candyman, that just made me start fearing my own thoughts for like the rest of my life. Wow. What? And I wish I hadn't seen it. That's crazy. Like, and then what happens now? Because I mean, Candyman's kind of in popular culture and he's coming back like Jordan Peele's doing like a reboot. Does that make you scared that it's going to kind of come back into the kind of popular culture? I think it's okay if it exists outside of my realm. Like I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) I won't watch the Candyman, but uh, I'm, you know, if other people want to enjoy it, that it hasn't broken. Fuck yeah. I mean, it's, it's like... Apparently a great movie if you're not scared shitless of it. <laughs> if it didn't like bake yeah, your brain. It doesn't stay child. in your mind for the rest of your life. I'm yeah. so sorry to hear that. I don't, don't mean right. to trivialize this. You know, it sounds like no. a horrible traumatic no, experience seeing this movie. It just crept up on me. I think I, I remember I didn't like it at the time, but it was like, you know, don't want to look like a jerk or a softy or something oh, watching it. It's see, like to, to make you with feel... other horror kids that yeah. were like, oh, this movie's great. And I was like, yeah. If it makes you feel better <laughs> about this, the, the, the situation that I guess I think of when I, on mine, <clears throat> yeah, was when I saw The Crow when I was probably about like four. And just the fact that he's like the face paint and the, the violence. And I ran out of, it was at my like family friend's house. And I ran down the stairs crying and like my sister and brother still give me shit about that. They're like, you remember yeah. when you saw The Crow and you freaked out? And I was like, 
yeah, no. And it's like, so, you know, like it happens to everyone. It's, the, it's, you, it's like when you're the youngest as well in the family, it's like, just, it's fine watching that with him. It's like, no, nah, it's really not, man. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, was not a good move for anyone. That reminds me of the time I like uh, my brother used to come in and scare me with Kiss album artwork. Like we had oh. like vinyl and just like and it's like ah, it's like hated it because they were Satan back then. Is that yeah exactly? Mm. <laughs> my mum also mentioned that I hated Flacco as a child as well. You remember Flacco the comedian? He was like he used to be on Good News Week and he was like a bald oh, yeah. with the curly hair. And, yeah, oh, so, yeah, so suppose there's like a baby I used to scream when Flacco was on the TV. So. <laughs> So, you know, if we're, if we're going into this, if we're digging into yeah. this well, let's dig, you know. Um, if you're a dessert, what kind of dessert would you be? Custard. Oh, cu- just custard. Just plain custard Straight with up. maybe bananas and sugar on top. Oh, that's good. Fuck, that sounds delicious. Yeah. I'd, go, I'd be a choc banana cake oh. with chocolate chips inside and chocolate icing. These are both great answers. Thanks, guys. Um, favorite piece of band merch? Like our own or just in general? No, um, that, yeah, that you own. Yeah. Did you ever buy like a shirt at a gig and you're like, that's the fucking best shirt ever? Um, I'm going to have to think about that for a second. You got one? Yeah, I got a, um, a silver chair t-shirt from their um, free show tour. That was pretty rad. I've still got that somewhere kicking around. Wow. How also, old were you then when you saw that? I was 11. What? So it was 97. The free show, it was Magic Dirt, something for Kate Silverchair at Festival Hall. That was the first gig I went to. And um, I got the t-shirt still somewhere. Sick. And also, Tim bought me a blind melon necklace that I have at home, which is pretty cool. What? Did I? Yeah. What's the necklace nice of? of? Is it just it's a- just like a like a logo, blind melon logo. It's pretty sweet. Because that used to be spray painted on the side of the Benny's like, tour trailer, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> just quickly before we go. You can ask what? Tim what happened to that trailer. What happened to that trailer, Tim? We wrote it off (laughs) (laughs) on the way to Adelaide, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, our good friends Grim Rhythm said, can we borrow your trailer for a tour? And we said, yes. (laughs) And it almost killed us. Oh, really? Yeah, it was dangerous as we were on the way to Adelaide. And then, yeah. Anyway, let's let's not talk about that. (laughs) It's still somewhere out there. Is it really? Yeah. Rustin. Rustin near. My favorite piece of band merch is probably I've got like an old Green Day Kaplunk shirt, and it's either that or this Smashing Pumpkins Adore tour shirt from like. I found it recently, and yeah, probably that. Beautiful. Um, If you had to live in a horror movie, which would you live in? Now, Craig, let's maybe. Candyman. So we're gonna avoid this this uh, trigger warning. No, here. I think it would be pretty interesting to live in the movie Saw. Like it'd be pretty <laughs> scary, but I'd like to actually experience it. Like to get it go through one of the trials. Yeah. Holy shit. Which one if you had to choose one? There's some hectic ones. Like, yeah, the card told me to shake it up deliberately. Let's get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut off a leg, you know. Yeah, yeah I don't even No, I wouldn't I wouldn't um uh, wouldn't live in that one. Uh, maybe like Chucky the um uh, yeah, was it like Bride of Chucky or one of those ones? They were, they were like pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not the first time Jennifer Tilly's been mentioned on this podcast. Oh, there you sure. go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. A good, this is a fun one. Definitely not scarier about horror. If you had a gig time machine, you could go see any gig from any time, past or present, where would you go? Future as well, obviously. Why not oh, future? This is such a stock answer, but I'd love to see like Nirvana when they toured Australia here. It would have been mental. Like the stories I heard about it is just 
crazy. Yeah. Like even when they first came out to the big day out and yeah, just all, all I can hear, I can, it's all just stories and it just does not feel like reality to me. I reckon that would be the gig. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Huge. I reckon, um, probably queen sometime in the eighties. No, no specific gig, just whatever. Just like, any gig, just, you know? Yeah. I probably want to look at the set list and just see if it had a couple of songs that are my favorite and then just pick that one. But just seeing Queen live with Freddie would have been epic, I reckon. That's True. great. Makes my answer sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite shapes flavor? <clears throat> You're going to hate me. What is that bloody weird bacon one? No, chicken crimpy. <laughs> You like chicken crimpy? That's your guy? That's my guy. My favourite shape is chicken crimpy. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, solidarity with chicken crimpy. Like everyone everyone buys barbecue and I'll eat it. It's edible. Cheese and bacon, pretty cool as well. But chicken crimpy is just like, I don't know, great. Yeah. Can you go into that a little bit more or is that yeah. enough? <laughs> you skipped over pizza shapes, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, last thing on the podcast today, famous last words. Are there any quotes or things you like that you would maybe put on a tombstone or tattoo on yourself or put in a book? Stadium dreams on a bedroom budget. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, shit, I don't know. If you play with it too much, it'll fall off. <laughs> <laughs> And that's a great way to end the show, guys. Yeah. Tim, great. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming down and, and talking loser and all things. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you. And uh, we're going to say fuck you to the tarot lady for that card. <laughs>Hey, welcome to the Post Ramble. I hope you enjoyed the first ever Fuck You Tarot Lady episode with two people. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't weird. I'm sometimes weird when I listen to podcasts and you can't tell who's talking, you know, because like, God, I've only just figured out this one person's voice and now I've got to figure out a bunch of people's voices. So hopefully you knew who was talking at any given time and it wasn't too confusing and it was fun because we should do more episodes with more than one person. Fuck, it was heaps of fun. Um, I also just froze at the start of this episode and didn't know how to do the lightning round openers, so I didn't do them and then... Both Tim and Craig both uh, discussed after the show. They were both Metallica people, not Megadeth. So just in case you wanted to know or were confused about why they didn't happen, I don't know. I thought because it was a band, maybe didn't do the lightning round openers because it's like you got to do a double. I don't know. But then the double end thing worked, I think, at the end. I don't know. You tell me. Anyway, speaking of things working again, life's kind of back on track, it seems, you know, with wearing some masks and stuff here in Melbourne. Other than that, it's kind of normal-ish again, which is kind of cool. Um, been seeing lots of gigs been going out been spending heaps of unnecessary money on Ubers across town um, but it's been really fun it's been really fun to get out and see people again and catch up with old mates and uh, yeah there's been a couple of good gigs lately where we've been able to do that so so anyway I hope there's a gig near you that's good that's happening <laughs> like us hope everything is good in your worlds and uh, I hope this has been a good episode for you guys to enjoy I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are enjoying the show, we have a link to the Patreon in the show notes of this episode. And that, for some reason, seems to be the only way to get there. I don't know what it is about uh, Fuck You Tarot Lady on, or F-U-T-L pod, whatever you want to call it on uh, Patreon. I'm pretty sure it's in both of the things in the headline, but you can't search for it. 
friend of the show, Luke Toomey, how are you, Luke? Tried to do this the other day and it was really difficult. And I was like, fuck's sake, I'm trying to ask money for the show and I can't even make it easy for you to do that. So if you do support the show, I extra appreciate it because it turns out it's hard to do. So thank you so much, patrons. Thank you so much, everyone listening. And uh, yeah, thanks if this is your first episode. If you want, go back, check out another episode. uh, More than likely, you've got more mates in this show now and you can probably go back and listen to your mates on this show. Oh, speaking of friends of the show, I even had a friend reach out from Vancouver, which was amazing. Uh, thank you so much for sending a lovely message and saying you like the show, because then that makes me go, well, I'll do another one. And then I'll talk about them in the post ramble to make it justify my existence. So existence justified, feels really good. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, see you soon for another episode real soon. Cheers. <laughs>